Oh, isn't God good? Yeah, he's a good God. Now, I prepared a message for tonight, and it's one that can go in two parts. And because it's hot, and we don't want to be too uncomfortable, I thought, Lord, I'll just do one half. And I decided which half I was going to do. But having listened to the worship and the words that have been bought, I'm not going to do that half at all. I'm going to do the other half. And uh, we'll see where God leads us. But I want to read both readings because they um, tie in with each other. And also the word of God is worth hearing, isn't it? We can never hear too much from the word of the Lord. So we're talking to, turning to Genesis 16. And we're going to read the whole of that chapter, which isn't a long one. And then we're going to turn over to Genesis 21 and just read a few verses from there. Last week, Adrian, I think it was last week, uh, recently anyway, Adrian was talking about um, when God was going to destroy um, Sodom and Gomorrah and how um, Abraham um, pleaded for the righteous people there. And it just took me, it reminded me, it's sad, isn't it, when things remind you. Uh, you know, you're getting older when things remind you rather than um, what, what's ahead. But it reminded me of a time when I was reading uh, this portion of the scripture and God just highlighted something to me. And I'm going to show you that when we get there. It's not in this uh, part. It's in the second part. Um, but this is on the birth of Ishmael, uh, Genesis 16. Now, Sarah, Abraham's wife, had not been able to bear children for him, but she had an Egyptian servant named Hagar. So Sarah said to Abraham, the Lord has prevented me from having children. Go sleep with my servant. Isn't that awful? God had promised the children. He told Abraham and Sarah they were going to have children. He said, oh, he's prevented me. It's not true to his word. We're short-sighted, aren't we? But that's not what I'm talking about. The Lord has prevented me from having children. Go and sleep with my servant. Perhaps I can have children through her. And Abraham agreed with Sarah's proposal. So Sarah, Abraham's wife, took Hagar, the Egyptian servant, and gave her to Abraham's wife. This happened 10 years after Abraham was settled in the land of Canaan. So Abraham had sexual relations with Hagar, and she became pregnant. But when Hagar knew she was pregnant, uh, she began to treat her mistress, Sarah, with contempt. And Sarah said to Abraham, this is all your fault. Sarah suggested to Abraham, and now she's saying, Abraham, this is your fault. There must be a woman's logic in there somewhere. So I said to Abraham, this is all your fault. I put my servant into your arms, but now she's pregnant. She treats me with contempt. The Lord will show who's wrong, you or me. Abraham replied, look, she's your servant, so deal with her as you see fit. Then Sarah treated Hagar so harshly that she finally ran away. And the angel of the Lord found Hagar beside a spring of water in the wilderness along the road to Shur. The angel said to her, Hagar, Sarah's servant, where have you come from and where are you going? Two very good questions. Where have you come from? Where are you going? Where are you heading for in God? Where have you come from in God? Where are you heading for? I'm running away from my mistress, Sarah, she replied. And the angel of the Lord said to her, return to your mistress and submit to her authority. And then he added, I will give you more descendants than you can count. And the angel also said, you are now pregnant and will give birth to a son. You will name him Ishmael, which means God hears. The Lord has heard your cry of distress. This son of yours will be a wild man, as untamed as a wild donkey. He will raise his fist against everyone, and everyone will be against him. Yes, he will live in open hostility against all his relatives. Therefore, Hagar used another name to refer to the Lord who had spoken to her. 
She said, you are God who sees me. Up until that point, God had been the God of Abraham and of Sari. But now Hagar realized he was a God who saw her. He was a personal God to her. So that well was named Be'er-Lohai, which means well of the living one who sees me. I can, it can still be found between Kadesh and Bered. So Hagar gave Abraham a son, and Abraham named him Ishmael. Abraham was 86 years old when Ishmael was born. And then we're going to just turn over to 21 and read a few verses from there. And we'll start at verse 8. Isaac has now been born to Sarah. God had keep his promise to Abraham and Sarah, and they had their own son, Isaac. But then he goes on and says, When Isaac grew up and was about to be weaned, Abraham prepared a huge feast to celebrate the occasion. But Sarah saw Ishmael, the son of Abraham, and her Egyptian servant, Hagar, making fun of her son, Isaac. So she turned to Abraham and demanded, get rid of that slave woman and her son. He's not going to share the inheritance with my son, Isaac. I'll not have it. This upset Abraham very much because Ishmael was his son. But God told Abraham, don't be upset over the boy and your servant. Do whatever Sarah tells you. For Isaac is the son through whom your descendants will be counted. But I will also make a nation of the descendants of Hagar's son, because he is your son too. So Abraham got up early the next morning, prepared food and a container of water, and strapped them onto Hagar's shoulders. Then he sent her away with their son, and she wandered aimlessly in the wilderness of Beersheba. When the water was gone, she put the boy in the shade of a bush. And then she went out and sat down by herself and about a hundred yards away. I don't want to watch my boy die, she said, and she burst into tears. And God heard the boy crying. That was what hit me when I read this passage oh, some, some time ago now. It tells us that Hagar was crying. She burst into tears. But the next words are, God heard the boy crying. He heard the cry of the boy. He heard the cry of his own promise. God heard the boy crying, and the angel of God called to Hagar from heaven. Hagar, what's wrong? Don't be afraid. God has heard the boy crying as he lies there. Go to him and comfort him, for I'll make a great nation from his descendants. Then God opened Hagar's eye and saw a well full of water. So quickly filled her water uh, container and gave the boy a drink. And God was with the boy as he grew up in the wilderness. He became a skillful archer. And he settled in the wilderness of Paran. His mother arranged for him to marry a woman in the land of Egypt. The story of Ishmael and of Isaac. The son of the flesh and the son of promise. God, years and years before, had promised Abraham and Sarah that the world would be blessed by their descendants. But don't we so easily forget God's promises to us? Or we so easily can forget them. God had given them, God had spoken to Abraham and said, Abraham, all the lands of the earth will be blessed by you. Your descendants are going to be no, more numerous. I'm just going to anchor my notes down so I don't lose them. Going to be no, more numerous than the grains of sand on the seashore. You can't count them more than the stars in the sky. Abraham, I'm going to bless you through your descendants. And there's Sarah saying, look, God's not given me a son. I'm, I'm getting older now, and it's not happened. And it was quite normal practice in those days um, for the, um, 
the, the head of the household to sleep with the uh, maid servants and the servants. Uh, in the story of, of Joseph and of Jacob and Joseph, we hear our um, uh, Jacob's uh, maid servants gave him sons as well as his wives, and they also became the tribes of Israel. The tribes of Israel, some of them are from, and I'm not going to give you all the details of that now, but are from the maidservants of Jacob because it's Jacob that is counted as the one. But Sarah said, look, it's not going to happen through me, so why not take Hagar and let her bear your children? That's what happened. Uh, Abraham slept with Hagar and she became pregnant. And to say that Sarah was upset would be an understatement. Now, it says that Hagar became proud and sort of was mocking Sarah. I guess she was saying things like, you know, oh, well, can't be Abraham's fault, can it? Must be your fault. You must be the one that's barren. And that would really rub wounds in the salt. No, even salt in the wound, even, for Sarah. And Sarah began to mistreat Hagar. It was her idea. She suggested it to Abraham. But now she wasn't so keen on the idea. Have you ever done that with God? Think, God, I'll do this. Tim touched on it. I'll do this for you, God. But then when it comes to it, we're not so keen on the idea. And it says, Sarah began to mistreat Hagar. Now, Hagar had some responsibility because it says she was um, taunting her, her mistress, which was not her role to do. But she was genuinely mistreated by Sarah. And Sarah went to Abraham and said, what are you going to do about it? It's your fault, Abraham. I'm sure many husbands can sort of um, go along with that one, whether it's your fault. Even when it was, No, of course not. Of course not. The wives are always right, aren't they? And she went to Abraham and said, it's your fault. And Abraham actually opted out of his responsibility. Ishmael was his son. He was going to be uh, an inheritor. He was going to be in the plans and the purposes of God. But Abraham opted out of his responsibility. And it may be that people have opted out of responsibility in your life and have let you down. And quite honestly, Abraham let Hagar down terribly. He sent her away pregnant with his child, away from the safety of the family, away from his protection. This lady, who was only a maidservant, had no money, possessions, rights or standing of her own, and he sent her away, pregnant. And in her distress, she, she, she fled. Abraham opted out and she ran away. There's a verse which says, Oh, for the wings of the dove, that I could fly away and be at rest. Have you ever felt like that? just seems that everything's against you. just seems the whole world is against you. And Hagar just wanted to get away from that awful situation. She'd been mistreated. She'd been let down. People who had a responsibility for her failed her. And I don't know if that rings any bells in your life. People who've had really either spiritual or physical responsibility for you have let you down and failed you. And sometimes you just feel like things are too much and you just want to get me away from here all the time. Had the wings of a dove and I could just fly away and be at rest. That temptation in our lives is ageless. The situation in Hagar's life was not her doing, wasn't her choice. But she was misused and abused by Sarah. But you know, as she went into the wilderness, pregnant and alone, we read that it was that encounter that brought her face 
face-to-face with God. You know, in our lives, sometimes God has to bring us to places. Stressful situations, things that happen to us, we say it's their fault, it's your fault. They shouldn't have said this, they shouldn't have done that, they shouldn't have been the other. But God is wanting to bring us face-to-face with him. And Hagar, for the first time, discovered that the God that Abraham and Sarah worshipped, the God of promise to them, was also her God. He was the God that saw her. He was the God that had things ahead for her. Great things. It was a place where she began to recognize just who God was. At the well of Beer Lehoi Rohai, something like that. The well of the living one who sees me. For the first time, it wasn't just the God of Abraham or the God of Sarah, but God was concerned for her. And you know, God is not a God there for other people. He sees you. He is committed to you. He loves you. Do you know what? God does not love this wonderful man here, Andrew Day, any more than he loves you. He's got no greater plans for Tim Sanders than he has for you. God sees you. Why not in your heart right now say, God, thank you that you see me. You know me. You know my situation, whether it's a good one I find myself in at the moment, whether it's indifferent, or whether it's bad, although I think indifferent can be bad. God sees you. And he has an incredible blessing for you. And you know, it doesn't matter how young we are or how old we are. He has not finished with us yet. We're not too young that he hasn't got plans and purposes. He hasn't got great things for your lives. I thank God for our young people. We have got some incredible young people in this church. Speak to folks about you often, you know. If your ears are ever burning, young people, it's because I talk about you. Great young people that love the Lord. But you know what? He loves you, and he sees you. And he had a plan for Ishmael, the child in Hagar's womb. And he had a plan for Hagar. He saw her. And he's got plans and purposes for you. And as old as Sally, he's not given up on us. He hasn't said, my promises are finished. Sarah was 80 when she gave birth to, Ish- uh, to Isaac. It's time yet, Sally. <laughs> Abraham was 90. So come on, Sally, 70 is not too old. God still sees us. And in between, God still sees us more God still sees you, surely. God still sees you. He's still got plans and purposes. Joyce, God still sees you. He's not giving up. He still sees you. David, God still sees you. He's not giving up on you. Say in our hearts, Right now, thank you, God, that you see me. Thank you that you love me. Oh, God, I love you. But if only we could truly recognize how committed God was to us, it would blow our minds. It truly would. We know what God had got ahead for us, all that we can walk into. It would blow our minds. He doesn't show us all of us because we couldn't take it. 
but he's committed to us. He's still got plans and purposes. And God made a statement to Hagar. He said, Hagar, where have you come from? And where are you going? Now, my understanding of God is that he knows everything. It's amazing. He knows everything about me and he still loves me. Isn't that incredible? Sometimes I have difficulty loving me, but God knows me and loves me. And God knows everything there is to know about you. And you know what? He still loves you. Even if you have difficulty loving yourself, he loves you. He knows all about us. And he knew what happened to Hagar. Of course he did. Didn't take him by surprise. But he said to Hagar, where have you come from, Hagar? And Hagar, where on earth do you think you're going? Now, that, what that did was make Hagar stop and think and examine herself. She had to answer that. And so often we drift without asking ourselves those questions. And God says, Katie, where have you come from? What's happened in the past? And where are you going? Hey, all those wonderful things back in Newcastle that God did in your life. He's still got more for you. Where are you heading to? Isn't that exciting? Isn't it great? Where have you come from? See, you can do this with a smaller congregation. I like it. And where are you going? And it's good to ask ourselves, where have I come from in God? To remind ourselves what he's done for us, what he's brought us through, and then say, wow, I wonder where I'm going. I wonder what's ahead in God. Because I know when I remember where he's brought me from, it gives me hope for where I'm going. When I remember how he's been faithful to me, how when even I've let him down, he's not let me down. Even when I've doubted him, he's never doubted me. Isn't that amazing? Plus my mind what a good God we've got. I've doubted him, and he's never doubted me. Wow. And it may be you've doubted him, but you know, he's never doubted you. He hasn't. Never given up on you. Never thought, oh, blow them. He doesn't do that. He's committed. Hey, God, said, oh, for the wings of a dove that I can just get away from this horrible situation. Did as I was told. Slept with Abraham. And here's the thought. Abraham could not have slept with any of his maidservants before because none of them had bore him children. This was the first time. He'd kept pure for Sarah to have that child of promise. Hagar, Sarah suggested to Abraham that maybe we shortcut, shortcut God and find another answer. That wasn't God's way. And even though it wasn't God's way, he was going to be committed to Hagar and he was going to be committed to Ishmael, even though it wasn't his way, even though it wasn't his promise. But he said, where have you come from? Where are you going? Because God knew Hagar needed to face some issues. It may be for one, two, many of us here tonight. These issues we know we've got to face. We know if we're honest before God, we've got to face them. Where have we come from? Good to do it. Good to reflect. Once I was without hope, now I have hope. Once I was without salvation, now I have salvation. Once I didn't know God, but now I know God. Where have we come from? Where are we going? Sometimes we've got to face that issue. 
God cared about Hagar. She'd been abused and misused, but God had a heart for her. He even cared for her unborn child, and he got a hope and a future, not only for Hagar, but for that child in her womb. Her face-to-face encounter with God that day confronted her running away, confronted her running from God, running from Abraham, running from uh, Sarah. It confronted her. And I want to say, we can try as hard as we want to run away from issues in our lives. But I've been on this Christian walk long enough. So I've seen it in my own life, and to seen it in the life of others. You can't run away from issues. God will keep bringing his back, and bringing his back, and bringing his back until we deal with them. And it was time for Hagar to face up to her issues. You know, some people even move churches to avoid an issue. But guess what? God's in that church as well. Some people even start going to church to avoid an issue. But guess what? God's there as well. Now Hagar had to learn to trust God even in her hurts. God was asking her to go back to that situation. It was horrible. It was horrible. The man whose child she was carrying, I thought that might be around, didn't I? Yeah. The man whose child she was carrying wasn't backing her up. Her mistress was mistreating her. Now she's got to go back. Can you imagine how that must have felt? Not an easy thing for her to do. And you know what? God never said to her, hey, hey God, go back and everything's going to be okay. He never said that to her. He just said, go back. Go back. Go back. He never promised to change the situation, but he gave her grace and mercy to handle it. You know, in our lives, things may be not as we want them to be. And how many times have we prayed, God, will you change this situation? Will you make this person different? Will you make that situation different? Will you just make that friend like me a bit more or that person that gets on at me stop it will you change the situation God but God says hey I'll give you grace I'll give you mercy I'll give you strength Hagar had no guarantee that her reception back there was going to be any different but God made her face what was happening and she returned and she gave birth to Ishmael And he grew, and he made a difference. I guess a little woman running around the house made a difference. It does, doesn't it? Pats her tiny feet, makes everyone a bit softer. And I guess even Sarah develops a soft spot for him. Tells us that Abraham loved him. Absolutely loved this little boy. It was his. It was his boy. His son. Parents will associate with that. You've had a child. They're something a bit special, isn't there? His boy, his son. He was doted on. But you know, God still remembered his promise to Abraham and Sarah. When Sarah was 80 and Abraham was 90, goodness me, Lord, I don't want a promise like this. Sarah became pregnant. Wow. (laughs) That would blow your mind, wouldn't it? (laughs) Your grandma? Even your great-grandma, for some of you, becoming pregnant. But she did. 
And she bore a child, and they named him Isaac. Laughter. Because, can you imagine the joy that child brought to their lives after all those years of waiting on a promise? And do you know what? Hagar and Ishmael coped with it. Ishmael was doted on by Abraham, his only boy, but now he had two boys. Isaac was the boy of promise. He was the one God said it was through him that all the nations of the earth would be blessed. It wasn't through Ishmael. He's known as the child of the flesh. He was born out of fleshly ambition, out of Sarah coming, let's make it happen for God. Let's make things happen. If it so we'll make it happen for God. Can't do that. But God didn't turn his back on Ishmael because that happened. But Isaac was the child of promise. And it says that when Ishmael, uh, Isaac was weaned, then Ishmael began to taunt him a bit, began to get on at him. He was no longer his nice, sweet little brother because now he was getting special promises from his dad. He was getting special treatment from his dad. His dad was thrown a party because he was being weaned. His dad was pouring everything into Isaac. And Ishmael became a bit jealous. Even about, we guess about 15 or 16, looking at how the years passed and what age um, Isaac would be when he was weaned. We guess Ishmael would be around 15 or 16. And the old threat of jealousy and tensions reared their ugly head again. It's amazing. We think we've come through it. And we go back through it all over again. God takes us through it all over again. You think, God, I thought we'd been through this once. And now you're taking me through it all over again. Come on, God. And Sarah, sorting things out again. She must have been a right organizer, Sarah, you know. A right bossy boots. And she says, come on, Abraham, this isn't on. This son of yours... Ishmael, she's getting on to this other son of yours, and this is the son of mine, and it's taunting and teasing him. You've got to get rid of him now. Abraham, it says his heart was torn. Because he loved Ishmael, he was his boy. He'd raised him, poured his love into him. But God says something amazing to Abraham. He says, send them away. Now, that was totally against the custom of the day. The custom of the day said, you cared for your maidservants. Manservants, she cared for the children of them. They were part of your household. They were your responsibility. But God said to Abraham, send him away. Send him away. Because God knew what he was doing. And he didn't always do it the way we think he should. You know, the Pharisees thought they'd got God in a box. And then Jesus came, and he didn't fit into their box. And so they killed him. We can't put God in a box. He'll not be put there. He's a creative God. He's a living God. And God said to Abraham, send them away. And he obeyed God, and he did. Ishmael didn't have the same rank or privilege as Isaac, but he should have been included in. Hagar had gone back in obedience to God, and now she was being sent away again. I guess nothing made sense to her anymore. And they go off and she says she just wandered around the desert. Didn't know where she was going. Back to that old question. Where have you come from? Where are you going? Just wandering again. Just wandering again. And, you know, in our Christian lives, we can get into the path of just wandering again, not knowing where we're going. And God pulls us up sharp again and says, where have you come from? Where are you going? And she got to wandering again. 
Then he tells us that she was crying. And it was because they'd run out of water. We've got it on tap here, haven't we? Nice glass of, well, I'd say it was water, but they told me it was gin and tonic. It's not, it's vodka. <laughs> We've got it on tap. Get, we can get it to help ourselves. But they'd run out and it was hotter than this. It was hot. And they were dying of thirst. And it says that Hagar couldn't bear to watch her son dying, which you can understand, can't you? You can understand that. I don't know how Abraham bore to send his son away. His own boy. And yet in obedience to God, he did it. Because in, in years to come, I'm not looking at this tonight, but in years to come, he was, he was being asked to give up his other son to sacrifice him. This was the first step. God takes us through phases and steps. And it says that at this stage, Hagar gave up. She told her son to go and lie over there. I, I can't watch you die, son. I can understand that. And she began to cry. And it seemed like the promise had just simply died. Gone. It tells us in Proverbs 13 that hope deferred makes the heart sick, and it does, doesn't it? God's promised us something, and it doesn't happen. It doesn't do much for our spirits. We just seem sometimes to get a bit. Happens with me, the building. Still happens. You know, you get new hope. Something again. And it doesn't happen. You think, oh, God, when's it ever going to happen? I believe you, God, but when's it going to happen? believe you, God, but when am I going to see it with these eyes? I believe you, God, but, 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 but. And we do it, don't we? And it could be a younger person, older person, middle-aged person, early Andrew. <laughs> God's spoken things into our lives, and we say, we believe you, God, but when's it going to happen? Hey, God decided to give up. Lay down the promise, because God had told her that he was going to bless her through Ishmael. And then what hit me when I read this passage all that time ago was it says that Hagar sobbed. She cried. And then the next very word says, God heard the boy crying. So he heard Hagar crying. He heard the boy crying. And he heard Ishmael crying because he was a promise. And God always hears the cry of his promise. And I want to speak that into your life tonight. If you have not seen God's promise fulfilled yet, and you know, without doubt, he has promised you, then he will always, always hear the cry of his promise. Always. Because he's not man that he would lie. And if he promises something, guess what? It's going to happen. Despite my doubt and your doubt, despite my fears and your fears, it will happen because God is a God of promise. And he keeps his word. And he heard the boy cry. It was his promise crying out. And he could not ignore his own word. Hagar couldn't see because of her own hurt and her own disappointment. You know, hurt and disappointment can blind us to God's provision. But God opened Hagar's eyes to see a well again. God does a lot of transactions by wells, you know. So perhaps we ought to stick by our kitchen sinks a bit more. Hang on to the taps. Because God loves water. He loves to deal with people by wells. Story after story, account after account in scriptures, God doing business at wells. 
So why not meet with him at the kitchen sink, at the bathroom tap, and keep it from everybody else? When it appeared that all hope was lost, God caused her to see a well. Well, how did you see that before, God? It hadn't just appeared. That well's been there forever. Well, it seemed as though it had. I never saw it, God. And she could fill the water bottle and she could give Eshmael a drink. She could have a drink herself. They could be renewed. And God spoke promises over her life. You know, we can get so upset, so distressed, we fail to see what God is actually doing. Fail to see, we think, well, if I start to believe this, I believed it before and it, it never happened. But there is a well. God will always, always honor his promise. And sometimes we need to ask him to open our eyes to see what he's already provided for us. I remember, I've told this story loads of times, but it fits in nicely, so I'm going to tell it again. How many years ago? 81. How many years ago is that? I can't preach and count. How many? 1981. <laughs> 32 years ago, God gave a very clear call on my life. It wasn't to the ministry. It wasn't to become a pastor or anything. It was just to go to Bible college. I won't go into that story. It was a very clear call to go to Bible college. It's cut it very short. I couldn't get any grants, any money, any provision 32 years ago. And it was going to cost £500 a term for fees, which 32 years ago were probably about, I don't know what the charge these days, one and a half, 2,000 a term, I would imagine by comparison I got to find that money I got to live and another story I got to keep my car on the road because he also told me to do that and I got £500 in the bank from when I was working which would pay my first term's fees and I was going off to Bible college and I knew God had called me but I didn't know he was going to do it and it was a whole new adventure for me and done this been that way before and done it before and I remember just before I went, I was in Blackpool. I mean, what a place to be. It was a spiritual conference I was at. And I was sat outside the boarding house we were at on a bench, just chatting to myself and chatting to God and wondering what was ahead, where I'd been and where I was going, and all that was going through my mind. And God spoke to me. And he said to me, just have a look at the stars. And I had a look. And I couldn't see any. Oh, uh-huh. Okay, God, you've asked me to look at the stars, and there's none there. And he says, well, why aren't there any there? I says, well, it's been raining, and it's cloudy, and it's a dull evening. And he says, ah, oh, but my stars are still there. Just because you can't see them does not mean they're not there. And he said, just because you can't see my provision for the years ahead does not mean it's not there. And you know what? It was. It was. He kept me. He kept my car on the road. He kept every bill paid. I could tell you story after story, which I won't do now, because I promised I won't be too long. See, I'm cool now, because I've got the fans on me. I'm forgetting you aren't. (laughs) God is faithful to his promise, folks. He is. It's still there. The stars are still there in the sky. Do you know what? They were there from the creation. And they'll be there till the new heaven and the new earth. They're still there, and his promises are still there. So just two or three questions to challenge us with, with all those thoughts pulled in together. 
Is there anything you're running from? Any situation you'd rather not be in? And you're thinking, that, oh, if only I could just flee away from it. It's not comfortable here. I don't like it. Maybe spiritually, it may be natural. Has God spoken into your life and he's saying, come on, where have you been? And where are you going in me? Don't just drift. But let's do a bit of a recce. Where, where have you come from? Where are you going? And maybe it's time to answer that question. And it could be that God has spoken promises over your life and you just don't see them happening. You've had words here and words there. And you know, Lord, were they really from you? I've written them down and I've prayed into them and nothing seems to have happened. Were they really from you? But if God has promised at the stars in the sky, the answer's there, the provision is there, and it will happen. I'm going to ask us all to stand, because I don't want to embarrass anybody. I just want to pray into these situations. But you be honest before God. That's all you can do. And for each of us, it will be different. And I just want to pray over us as we stand together before the Lord. You're not stood before me. It's before the living God who sees you, who knows you, who loves you, who is committed to you. And I don't care how many times you've let him down. I don't care how many times you've denied him. I don't care how many times you've forgotten about him. He'll never let you down. He'll never deny knowing you. And he'll never, ever forget about you. Never. Because you're his child and he loves you. Lord, I just want to pray into the lives of those that just recognize the fact that maybe they're in a position they don't want to be and they'd rather run away. Lord, I I, I just ask that by your Holy Spirit who is so present here tonight, whose presence is tangible, that you will grant them the grace and the strength and the mercy to deal with that situation. That instead of taking them from it, Instead of them running from it, you will help them to come through it. Because as they come through it, it will strengthen them for a time they face a similar situation. So strengthen them, help them, Lord. Encourage them, do them good, even in the situation. Father, for those that have just said to you, yeah, I know what it is to be asking myself now, where have I come from? And where am I going? Maybe they're at crossroads. Maybe they just realize they've been drifting. That, Lord God, you will speak into their lives. That as they take stock, as they look at where they've come from and where they want to go in you, that you will encourage them. You'll speak afresh. You will do them good. Father, for those of us that think maybe the promise has died, that it's lying before us almost struggling for its last breath, help us to know that you have the stars in the sky, the well of provision to cause it to happen. You will never, ever forget your promise. You will always hear it cry. Lord, we hold that promise before you and we cause it to cry out to you. Maybe more than one promise. 
God, will you hear the cry of your promise? This evening we pray. And Lord, in you we say, we trust you. Thank you, Lord. Father, may we know your blessing on us. May we know your love in our lives. May we know your care around us. May we know your strength in us in this coming week, we pray. Firstly, it's in your precious name. Amen. Amen.